The natives are restless this evening, and understandably so. As I'm recording this latest podcast, the polls have closed. About a half an hour ago, as a matter of fact. History in the making, no matter which way the vote goes. Who did I vote for? I don't want to sound cynical and say it doesn't matter. It does. But no matter what the outcome, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay put and roll with the political punches. Some of you say that if your candidate didn't win, you were moving out of the U.S. of A. Maybe to Canada? Okay. But know that while it feels like the USA in a lot of ways, it's also way more expensive. So think about that. Sweden might be a nice option for those of you who uh, are thinking of going European. 90% of the people speak English, but the winters. <laughs> yeah, brutal. How about this? Just pour a, a good glass of whiskey and wait it out. I try not to discuss politics when I'm drinking, or religion, or the economy. Doesn't leave much, you say? Sure it does. You're just not trying, people. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And our guest bottle tonight is from uh, a relative newcomer on the block, Smooth Ambler and Old Scout. We'll talk more about the whiskey in just a little bit. And speaking of Old Scouts, <laughs> my very <laughs> special guest is a friend. Uh, some would say a radio rival, my competitor, my competition. Also, and uh, also a comedian, Jerry Elliott from QFM 96 WLVQ right here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, long time, hey. buddy. Hey, buddy. I am glad. It's nice to be here, man. Eight o'clock at night, though. You got our... No wonder we can't get this kid, your producer, to get up in the morning. He's with you every night. No, well, this, not this every is what night. what you do. You sneak in here at night and do a podcast. That's 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 the only time like, slot I have. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how Jerry wanted to come in and said, if we're going to do a podcast at night, let's get a little atmosphere. Yeah. He dimmed the lights. Dim the lights, I, man. Yeah, we're, right we're, on. Uh, you know, you, you got a big FM uh, stick. You're a star in this town. You're in a top 30 mark. Tom Brady doesn't leave the NFL to go play arena ball once a week. <laughs> what what, what is this podcast thing here? But, I don't uh, know, but I've been... That in... being said, you knew how to get me here. I brought you a good one. You're a very special guest. And I brought you one called uh, Old Scout by Smooth Ambler. Smooth Ambler uh, came on the scene like in 2009. So they're kind of newcomers to the block. I mean, experienced guys who know what the hell they were doing. And it's out of West Virginia? Out of West Virginia. It's, um, it's, it's, it's uh, well, you already took a, a sip. Just give me your first impressions. Because mm? I'm gonna tell you what I like about it. Do you drink rye at all? It's just easy. It's so uh, it's so drinkable. Do you drink? Uh, a give me an example of a rye. A rye whiskey, Pure like a, like, rye, a, like, like a, a Templeton, a, yeah, no, uh, or no. anything. Like Knob Creek no, has a I rye. Like a, uh, yeah, well, I, I like the Knob Creek. The Knob Creek rye. Yeah. It's I like, like, I, like a, a, I like the bourbons. Because this one has Scotch. got a lot. This one's got. This one's heavy on the rye. This one's like thirty-six percent rye, vodka, gin, beer, wine. I like it all. You know, sixty percent corn and four percent, four percent of the others. I'm I don't know why. I'm thinking of doing a wine cast. I don't know why uh, I bother. No, but that's very good. And now, uh, do, do, do you do you have a nose for whiskey? Do you pick up anything? What do you taste? Do you, do you taste anything in there? Do you can you pick up on the caramel, the vanilla, maybe a little cinnamon? Does it have a nice little? Some I don't people get the cinnamon. I get the vanilla. Some people uh, say it almost has a little bit of a, of a bite in the beginning, almost like a little, almost pipe tobacco-y. Hmm. But it's got a nice smooth finish. 
Well, that ice, you poured it five minutes ago. That ice is just getting, uh, you know, where you like it. Mm -hmm. Just where you like it. It's a good cigar whiskey. Yeah. I mean, I think all whiskeys are good cigar whiskeys, but uh, no, that's really good. What's that retail for? That's the beauty of it. Um, when the when these guys came on the scene, this could have easily been a craft bourbon to go for sixty, seventy bucks a bottle, but right now it's retailing for about thirty nine. The deal is, um, it's been so popular so quickly that it might be gone here soon. That I think they might be yeah. done making it. Well, remember that happened to Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you had the new tin cup yet. Yeah, I, I, I've not gone to the tin cup yet. I have I not tried it, but I'd, I'd like to. I, I can't get past the the, the gimmicky And this, You know, you think it. about it, this craft, yeah, it is gimmicky. This uh, this whole craft thing, the, the, the bubble's going to burst on these beers and the distilleries and the craft bars Good. and the, the pubs. And the, I mean, it is, how many do we need? I mean, Columbus is like the epicenter, but you go up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, Portland, Seattle, I mean, Denver, it's it's huge, and this bubble's got a pop. I love craft beer, and I, this CBC is what I'm on lately. Just the regular, that green and blue bottle, that's that's a hell of a beer. So you're Bell's more, out of Michigan, very, very good. So you're more of a beer guy than a bourbon guy? Uh, you're like a bourbon I said, guy. I like both. Bourbon's yeah. kind of special to me. Bourbon's the holidays. Bourbon's uh, a card game. <laughs> Jerry. Bourbon's- Every day's a holiday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned some states- while you're rifling through the uh, the bourbons, the there. bourbons and the and the uh, craft breweries, and you mentioned your home state, Michigan, home state of Michigan. How about that team this year? I just uh, was you, talking to some friends today. It's going to be an interesting rivalry game this year. So all the years you've been in Columbus, Ohio, when the Ohio State Michigan game rolls around, do, do you vocally? Well, you root know for when Michigan? I, you know that's interesting. When I first started at QFM ninety six, the general manager took me aside and said, "Shh." It's a secret. You don't tell anyone. We'll lose radio. People won't listen if they know you're from Michigan. And uh, for the first probably 10 years of my radio career, uh, it was funny because we would do the Beat Michigan Breakfast Club, and right. I would I would just, instead of Buckeye stuff, I would just wear Big Ten gear. <laughs> like conference gear. I was all about the conference. <laughs> and we kind of kept it quiet. And then after a while, I, I kept saying, this is, this is ridiculous. It's not me. It's not who I am. This is ridiculous. But at that point, I was kind of already established, so because I didn't think that a uh, a Michigan guy would be accepted. Uh, on the radio in Columbus, Ohio, and maybe there was some truth to that. I don't know. But by the time I said, look, I'm I, we never made it a secret that I was from there. I, I started on radio Labor Day in 1990, so, you know, I'm going out running on 26 years here. I know. You talk about, talk about legends. Started my comedy career up at the Comedy Castle in Detroit. Let's back up and, a little okay. bit. Let's back up a little bit. You said, you know, after 10 years, I, I started to say this, that, and the other thing. Did you think... I mean, you started in stand-up comedy. Did you think that, as a comedian, going into the brave new world of radio, that you would have had the longevity and the gig that you have right now? No. No, not at all. I thought it was kind of a quick Band-Aid, a little fix for where I was at in my life. If I thought I had just gotten married, uh, we were having our first baby, I thought, gosh, if I can get this for five years or whatever— and believe me, when I started, I took a considerable pay cut from being a comedian down to radio. Interesting. And uh, 
I wrote, I did like having a health plan. I'd never had that before. I'd never had a 401k. So there was a structure that I enjoyed. But, you know, the hours we worked, all those years. Sure. All those Still. miles. All those, you know, out so late. And then to have to get up, you know, when generally you'd be going to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it took a while. And I, I still haven't figured it out. Some nights you get all the sleep. You get 10 hours of sleep. And you come in and you, you have a shit show. And you drag. You know, yeah. and, you dra- and then other nights you get four hours and you're on fire. And other nights you, so, get, you get none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have but, a brilliant show. You know, it, it's interesting when, when you think of uh, Columbus. I think, and I don't know this to be fact, but I think that I was the first stand-up to go full-time in radio, like, for real. Across the country? I think so. Comics generally don't conform well. They don't. It it usually doesn't work. It sounds like a great idea that really doesn't stick. Right. I remember when I started doing stand-up. Um, as a, as an opening act and MC, you were already headlining. You were you were the man. You were one of the yeah. one of the guys. Yeah. I mean, you went up there and you crushed it. You killed it. And we would sit in the back and say, "That's how you that's that's how you fucking do it right there." I mean, you were up there with ease and, and effortless, and it was it it was envious. And that friend. is why I don't do it any longer. Is <laughs> because I can't uh, I I can't. Uh, when I look back, um, 1978 to 94 was really uh, when I did my stand-up. I still did it pretty hard the first four years I was in radio here. Uh-huh. But, and it killed me. It just about killed me. But in my, like when I think of a peak year, like 84 to 88, uh, I mean, it was good. There was I a- was rolling. I had the sitcom auditions, and I was living in L.A. and everything. And now... If I have to do it mm-hmm. and I can't be like that again, I, I'm such a perfectionist or I, I just, I, I can't stand it. I just cannot, I would have to go three times a week for four weeks and then I will do the show. Like if you get a, if Dino gets the call to open for Michael Buble at the Palace Theater in February. I'm I'm opening for Michael Bublé in well, February. Well, I'm saying so. You, awesome. What do you do? You go. Well, right. You go. You got to yeah. work out. You just don't show up on right. the night of the Michael Bublé. You got to work out, and that's what I I just don't have the uh, I don't know if it's a drive or but I can't. It's like going to the gym when you go five days a week and you're competing in a competition. Uh-huh. Then it's no big deal. Take. 10 years off from the gym, 15 years off, and then you're going to compete in that same, and be back, be at the level you want to be. Sure. I mean, I just can't, I, I don't want to do it that way. It's a, it's, it's a muscle. I don't want to cheat myself that way. It's a muscle. You don't want to cheat your audience. It's either. almost like I'm a, a, a bad analogy, probably. No, but there if, are no bad think, analogies. Think of a, think of a, a minor league pitcher. You All only right. got, you know, 2,000 innings in your arm. I did my 2,000 innings. I got, uh, you know, the guys I pitched with in the minor leagues. Some of them are big stars in the major leagues today, as right. we speak. But I just don't have, you know, Billy Gardell was with us last week. In Love the Billy. And I've heard more comics say, if you took everything away from me, all the TV shows or my movies, I'd still do stand-up. Right. I would always have, it's like something within them. I didn't have that. It was, it was a job. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't... Uh, I mean, it would beat selling cars, I guess, if I had to. Yeah. But at my age, I at my I don't age, know. I'm gonna come I back. I think to, I would prefer to write. Oh, and I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come back yeah. to that too. There's yeah. a lot of things I want to come back to. I'm gonna come full circle okay, on some right of these on. things. It's kind of weird being interviewed I instead of being the interview. I, I, I understand. I understand it a lot. 
we're going to settle the myth and mythology of of a story that's been bandied about for yeah, there was a, a, a while. But uh, now you said you took a pay cut to do radio. Let, let's uh, only because I hustled. Only because you hustled. I only made money because I worked fifty weeks a year. I understand every. You know what I mean. I I didn't have to do that. Right. I had a car payment, and I would go to Seven Elevens and get the money orders, and then send wow. it off to yeah. make my car. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I I hustled to get to that point, and when I came to Columbus. I don't. I'm not saying they took advantage of the situation, but sure you know, they did. Big Daddy Wags and first job in radio. We can't trust you. You know, we don't know. We don't know. So I signed a two year deal, and it was it was low ball because all right. And, and here's then, where we get to the myth and mythology of of uh, this is when our lives started to become a bit parallel. I was offered your job before you were offered your job. It wasn't between me and you. It was a totally different thing. It was just right. I was I was initially That's what I understand. offered your job to co-host with uh, a longtime legendary yeah. Danny yeah. Wags. Yeah, and I was offered the job, and they. It wasn't going to be a pay cut for me. It would have been a pay raise for me, no matter what they paid me. But I was not a headliner at the time. I was just at that point probably yeah. a strong middle act, yeah. headlining in some of the in some of the B rooms and C rooms, and I was loving it. I mean, I was developing my craft, right? And I thought, what's it going to take for me to leave this life and and do this life? And I and I asked for some outrageous amount of what I. Which apparently they thought was outrageous. I didn't think it was that outrageous. So it was the it was the salary that kept you from. Uh, it was what I asked for, and they and Jerry, they laughed at me. <laughs> they laughed at me. Well, Jerry. you had to ask, right? They laughed, and you then had to I, ask. and then I stuck to my guns. And well, they, and I took that salary probably. <laughs> uh, what a year, six months. Well, no, it was probably. I think I. Yeah, I don't know. What like the I said, it wasn't between me and you. Been. No, 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 no. They I were know still that. on the search for. They wanted I know that. They wanted a comedian. They wanted somebody in there. So uh, you know, it wasn't like we got a choice between Dino Trapoz and Jerry Elliott. And since we don't have Dino, we're going yeah, with Jerry. Yeah. That wasn't the case yeah. at all. Well, and you were from here, and you were at a different. Right. You were at a different point in your life than I was too. Yes. I mean, I had the baby coming. I I needed to kind of settle down, and I'd already done the L.A. dream. Right. And kind of done that and got a glimpse of that. You were still up and coming. You still had that to do. I still had so that I to do. So I understand why why you didn't you know take the gig. But it didn't take me long to follow you. But you know what was, <laughs> what's really weird, and I don't know that I've I don't think I've ever uh, talked publicly about this before. But uh, boy, give me a little old scout. Okay. And here, here, here comes the truth. Serum. I, I have a way. Uh, of, I have a way of bringing this yeah, out. Yeah. People. Uh, I could not understand when I started in uh, September of, I started labor, I started my first day on QFM 96 was the day Stevie Ray Vaughan died, the oh, helicopter crash. And I was in, uh, I was in, uh, at the Funny Bone in Texas. I could, oh, wow. That okay. must have rocked that entire yeah. state. Well, it rocked the country. Well, here we are, a classic rock station, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of our core artists, uh. and it was just a bad day all the way around, but- it wasn't just that day. For probably the first six months, I couldn't understand for the life of me why Daddy Wags was so pissed. He did. He wasn't welcoming. He did nothing to make it easy for me. Really? In the beginning. Not a damn thing. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me. And then I found out in hindsight, excuse me, that he was told that he could pick his partner. And he may have agreed on you, 
before you made your salary demand? I don't know. But that he was going to get a say. They had me and him meet for lunch. And then the following Monday, I just showed up at the studio and he acted like he didn't know why I was there. Oh, my God. And that's how it began. And that's, that's it, he, kinda... it was, he was, and, and I found out, you know, they told him he could pick and then they just hired me without getting his consent. And he was, he was pretty pissed about the whole thing for months and he made it extremely difficult. And we had a program director at the time who's a big wig with uh, greater media now Beasley, uh, Buzz Knight hired me and uh, he said on his way, he was leaving for a, a better, a different gig, a larger market, and on his way out the door after six months, it was a struggle, and he just said, he took me aside privately and said, just let it rip, be yourself, be comfortable, don't try to be like you're on oh. radio, and I said, well, motherfucker, why didn't you tell me that five and a half months ago? Right. You know, what do you wait until you're on your way out the door to tell me how to, so then I kind of relaxed, and at the end of that first two-year deal, they came back with another one, and it exponentially it just kept you know it went up Going. to where i am today but uh That's it. yeah it was it was an odd start I, I questioned it many many times what am i doing because you're on the road you're a you're not a star but you got a little sway you're doing your own sure. thing and then you come here and all of a sudden i'm kissing this guy's ass for what what, what am i doing and radio it's a it's an art form unto itself if comedians think that they can just step in and do radio it takes a, a while you, no. it's, it's hard it is it, it is, is it's a different medium do you uh, now i i always felt that because you kind of like it, it's interesting why we parallel each other and the fact that we both had long careers here in columbus ohio i have not lost the desire to do stand-up I is still, this too boring should we be funnier <laughs> no should we be dropping <laughs> fucks or something no, 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 no. is you, this too serious because i i enjoy this conversation no, i, I no. want to do this but no, no trust me i'm wondering if we're we're good okay you know what? Yeah, it's like the first six months at QFM. You know, I'm just gonna sit here and, and, and just and treat you like shit. <laughs> well, what were, what were your first six months like at Sunny? Okay. Did you just take to it like a fish to water, or no. like a bird to Here, water? Here's 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 uh, my short background, and I'm gonna keep it short because I, okay. I want to talk more about you. But um, I was a guest as a comedian when it was uh, Big Mike, Big Mike and Jane were here. And I was a guest often on their show. And Mike loved comedians. And I was a regular guest. And he said, open invitation. Whenever you're in town, are you based out of here? Whenever you're in town, come on in and hang out. So I did. And then we started doing this regular, how about, would you like to do a little feature from the road? And that was, I was at that point, I was traveling 40, 45 weeks right. a year. So every Thursday uh, or Wednesday, whatever it was, I would do a little bit yeah, from where right, I was at and do right. a couple minutes of funny. And... Uh, all right, so one thing leads to another. Mike leaves. He goes back to, I think it was Jersey. That he Rochester. Went, Rochester, something like he was, that. Yeah. And Bob Simpson, who was a, a, a longtime host here came at Sunday back. 95, came back as well. Turn your knob back to Bob, you yeah. know, or, or to whatever it was. He came back to Sunday 95. He left, went to another station, came back, and, um, and, and kept kind of the whole comedy thing going as well. Well, I, I you know. I'm a comedian, and at that point now living in Los Angeles, and I don't know anything about how radio works. All I know is yeah. I'm having fun keeping my name in the Columbus market, so when I come home to you know, headline now at the Funny Bone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an audience, and I did. Um, they go through something here at Sunday 95 where they need a, a, a co-host, and they offer me the job, and I said no to it like two, almost three times. 
eventually I relented. With I Jane? Uh, no, j- there was no female co-host now. Okay. They were going to go a whole different direction and do a show called Simpson and Company. Okay, and you were going to be one of the company. I was going to be one of the company. It was going to be an ensemble. You were going to be Tim Conway <laughs> to Simpsons' Carol Burnett. Yes, <laughs> yes. And there was no Carol Burnett. Yeah, there was no well, Carol. Well, there was. Yeah, you yeah. were going to be right. Yeah, Harvey Corman was taking over the show. Cast. Yes. <laughs> but um, and and honestly, that that first year that was probably the hardest I've ever worked on a show. We we did skits and bits and sketches and yeah, characters, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. busted my ass. But that's ass. back when that was popular in radio. Now it's just open the mic and be yourself. But it didn't hit. It didn't connect. It didn't connect with the audience. And a year later, God bless him, Bob Simpson, who is a, a radio legend, and, and yeah. I owe a lot to him, yeah. um, uh, was let go that that after one year. And I thought, okay, well, he's gone. Shit. He was let go. You know, the, the show wasn't working. Yeah. Porn. Ch- <laughs> no. Drugs. No, no, was, no, uh, no. Okay. T- radio, dude. Yeah. You know, yeah, the numbers yeah, weren't right, there. Right, right, The right. numbers weren't yeah, there. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. So if it wasn't working for Bob, naturally I thought, well, it's not going to be working for me either. Yeah, right thank on. God I still have a place in L.A. Yeah. And thank God I still have everything I remember there. when you were keeping both yeah. uh, an iron and the fire out there. Boy, I tried that. I couldn't keep that iron out there. Mm-hmm. I used to get phone calls from my agent in LA and said, "Hey, we gotta, you gotta do a reading at 11. And I was like, well, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of on the air in Columbus, Ohio, till 10. Being out in LA on Friday at 11 a.m. may be an issue uh, for d- me. D- it might be yeah. hard because I was doing. Yeah, I had. Regular, you can't do both. You can't I, have a foot in both I did, worlds. Though, for that first yeah, year, it's tough. I though. was going back. I still had sets at the store and my and I, yeah. you know, sets at the improv, yeah. and I was still trying just to make sure because I did not feel confident. You're a store act. Huh? Comedy store? You were a story act? Yes, I was. Yeah, I wasn't a story act. You weren't a story nah. act? Just the improv? No, I was the improv. Igby's, Ice House, ah. Laugh Factory. I was house MC at the Laugh Factory. Uh, no, for I never got to be house MC anywhere, but yeah. I got to play the, the big room. Uh, at, yeah, the, at the I played the Yeah, I, I worked the uh, the original and the belly. I never yeah. did work the main. And room. I owe that to Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark. What are you doing with all the blue? Don't you want to be on Johnny Carson? <laughs> Lenny Clark he told got me, Al April one got time. me into yeah. the comedy store. You want to be on Johnny Carson? He's out of Boston. So I took the gig, and it, you know Simpson gets let go, and I just tell uh, uh, Stacy, who at that point had been in news with Clark, moves up to into into what would have been my slot, and I say, "Look, we're all going to be out of a job here at the end of the year. Let's just have fun." And we dumped all the bits and the sketches because you talked about just right. like in the mic and being right. ourselves. We dumped all that, and we're just we were just like you said ourselves. And for some reason, in that particular ratings book, it connected and numbers went up. January rolls around. I get the call to the GM's office thinking, okay, this is going to be, hey, this was a great idea. Sorry, it didn't work out. And instead, they offer us a four-year contract. And I go, now what the hell do I do? Yeah. Because I'm all set to go back to yeah, Los Angeles. Right, right. And just like, you know, just like a bad Lifetime right. movie, my daughter, who well, at the time was living here, says to me, you know, yeah. with the big doe eyes, a four-year contract you're going to take it and stay, aren't you, Pa? Yeah, right, <laughs> You know, right. like, ah, damn it. Yeah. Now what? All yeah. right, four years, that's well, all. Do you recall when you called me before you took the job and said, hey, do you want to have lunch? And you kind of picked my brain about my first couple years before mm-hmm. you signed on to that big deal. I did. Yeah, I remember I did. that. 
I did. I you gave that. me good advice. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it was I good advice. I, I'm sure it was rock solid, Dino. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> apparently, you led me astray, <laughs> Jerry like, Elliott. Give me a little ice You want a little ice on that? There you go. A little DM. Drop more. And one for our producer. My wife always says DM. Drop okay. more. Uh, I think this old scout is going to die a valiant soldier. You know, it's talking about advice, you know, and this is something I've never told people. All right. So you, you had one. All right. You had one right. talking about a radio legend. Yeah. Wags. And I didn't want to, uh, you know, besmeach uh, Danny no. Wags no. there by, by any way. But no. he was told one thing, and I think all of a sudden this young kid was thrown in his studio and he's like what the and in you hindsight know? you could understand that yes absolutely in hindsight you absolutely. can understand that you, yeah. you get that because i'll because tell you before i get out of here tonight you're not getting out of here tonight, uh, well i'll tell you i'll tell you this might end up being a how two-parter. i how i fought the uh the torg move originally so you've got the gig i've got the gig i got the gig and and i do before i start the gig two weeks before i start the gig i'm headlining at the funny bone at the continent yep all right Simpson comes out to the show. Okay? Well, it was a great room, wasn't great it? Room, at the great continent. room. Great uh. room. He comes out to the show. Um, it's one of those, I mean, and at, and at that point, stand-up-wise, like you mentioned, you know, the fact that you, you work out and you stay sharp. I mean, I was at the at, at that point, the peak, if yeah, there is a peak right. of my stand-up skills. You just skills, get so polished you, that. You know, it's just, you know what you're doing. I you're used doing, to open with my clothes just to keep it interesting for me. Interesting, To see right? if I could follow myself. And I do this, I, 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 do, <laughs> no, my, really. I do my headline set and, and rock rock the house, I say, with all due humility. Yeah, uh, those, I'm those sure audiences, I'd see you were great. You're, the, you are great. Those audiences were great. Yeah. And, and I get off stage and Simpson says, come over here. And I go, what? He goes, great job tonight. And I said, thank you, man. Thank you. He goes, you, 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 were, you were terrific. And I go, thank you very much. He goes, don't take the job. I go, what? At Sunny. Yeah, yeah. don't take the job. Yeah. I go, what? Yeah. I, you know, at this point, I'm moved back. You know, I'm ready. I'm just, I'm just getting myself acclimated. I, I, I get home a couple of weeks before I start just so I can have a sense of home again. He goes, no. He goes, what I just saw you do up on stage there you need to keep That's do- what you should be doing. That's yeah. what you should be That's doing. That's very cool of him to do that. Very cool of him to do that, but it made me it made yeah, me fucking it made crazy. It made it harder. Made it even harder. Sure. Yeah, Cuz what do I do now? Sure. You know, I've already signed a contract. I've I've signed I, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in at least for however long, you know. Yeah. 4 years. Yeah, whatever two years. they 2 years, 1 yeah. year, 2 years, whatever they had obligated me for at that point. So I I I was beside myself. I truly was beside myself. But obviously, I stayed. You had a different situation starting at Sunny than I did at Q. Now, our humor on stage is uh, is different, anyways. But I was in my element: strippers, bikers. I could do, you know. I mean, we had strippers on Sunny. They were wood strippers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one of our one of our furniture segments on Sunday ninety five. And, and let me tell you something. Every once in a yes. while, every once in a while, get get kind of raucous. <laughs> do you have any regrets? I do, but I don't. I can't. I have I have these three really really cool boys, and if I hadn't have stayed in Columbus, I wouldn't have had that. But when I moved here, I was 
Uh, I was I was so close to having a sitcom, and a lot of guys get them, and you never hear from right, them how again. Close? So I'm you, not saying that was the that was. Oh, if I didn't come here, I would. I'm not saying that. I'm just what saying. Were you, that what were you close to? Tell me. Give me a little was, detail. The show was called. Well, it was Dear John. Was the show, and uh, I did a reading. You, you do readings, and you're waiting in this little waiting room, and. I had done a competition out there. It was called the hottest new comic, new comic in L.A. Well, I'd been on the road doing 40, 45 minutes for, you know, eight years. And then I go out there, and I'm working the clubs, and they go, can you do four minutes? Can you do sure. six minutes? So you just take your best stuff, compress it. You could do five different sets and not repeat anything. So I did. I entered this competition, and I won the week I was in, and then I won the, the month, and then I went back for the finals at the end of the year at the L.A. Fashion Theater, and it was all celebrity judges. Well, I had it won. I had the fucking thing won. Jackie Gleason died that day, and an impressionist who to this day, I cannot remember that kid's name, but he changed his bit. Uh, he used to do a bit. He was an impressionist of Jackie Gleason in the shoe store, and he changed it, <clears throat> excuse me, to Jackie Gleason in a shoe store in heaven. And I looked out, and people were wiping tears. Oh, my and God. And I said, oh, oh, I just lost man. this fucking thing. So sure enough, I come in second. He wins the thing. I come in second, and uh, afterwards, the agents and the agency people and the casting directors that were the judges, there was probably a dozen of them. I had three or four come up to me, give me their cards, call me on Monday, mm-hmm, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And that got it rolling. And I got this audition for the show, Dear John, who was the star of that? Uh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch, yeah. It was post-taxi. Yeah. That's how long were ago you, uh, were, were you talking, up for the role guys. of Kirk? No, I was up for the role that Jerry Burns got. Yeah, Kirk. It, was that Kirk. the- Kirk. Yes. I think it was Kirk. So I do the reading. Well, there was 120 guys read for the part uh, initially, and I didn't think I had any chance. I'd never done a reading. It was the first time I'd ever done one. So I just blew it off. And because I didn't care and I wasn't mm-hmm. nervous, long story short, I make it to the final 12. I'm one of 12. It's going to be. So I go in and for the final read, and now this is with uh, Brillstein, Bernie Brillstein, who's a, who's a big, big deal. And I sit down, and before I even read, he throws the script uh, back at me and says, don't bother. He says, you're way too young for the role. You know, I was 26 at the time, and Jerry Burns, older than me, 36, probably 10 Not years. Not that much older. So he's, he said the character's older. He says, I really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming in, but it's, there's no way. So I thought, wow. So I walked out of there, and it was actually kind of a victory for me. And I thought, man, I got I can do this. So I started doing readings, and that was like 80. So I was on quite a roll there, and I was here in Columbus in 89 when I had met my first wife. And so 86, 87, I mean, I was right on that. Tim Allen was sleeping on my couch, stuck me wow. with a phone bill. Yeah. Uh, we'll I come mean, back to that, too. There's a lot of things I need to come back Couillet, to with you. Now, Dave Couillet uh, was on Full House uh, in its heyday at the time, and I lived in... Uh, I had a place in Laurel County. Oh, You're name forever. dropping. We're going to have to come back and we explain some forever. of these names. Yeah, I had a uh, the kid that played Skippy on Family Ties. Did I ever tell you my Skippy Mark story? Price? Mark Price. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 slow down. You're, 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 you're ADD and me. Uh, no, and okay, you well, a, if you have ADD and you're listening to this podcast, you I gave up a long time ago. I just thinking about 1986, 87, 88 in LA, and I just think about what, what went down. Okay, so 
you, I'm living you, out there, and I'm living in Laurel Canyon in Skippy's place. He was a young comic. You're living with Mark with Price? a hit TV You're show, making Price? fifty grand a week. A week. And I'm the house MC at the Laugh Factory, and he's horrible at stand-up, yeah. horrible. So he looks up to me like, oh. So he's going to New Zealand for six months to film Lost Boys with, like, one of the Corys. And he says, hey, do you want to sublease my I – I pay uh, – he says, I pay, I think it was uh, 1200 a month for a gatehouse up in the hills. I'll give it to you for six. And I went, I don't know. He goes, five. And I go, five, I'm in. So for five hundred dollars, it was a wow. mansion and it was a gatehouse. When you looked west, you could see the Pacific with when there was no smog. When you looked east, you could see downtown L.A. How? It was the twinkling lights. It was like so I was in heaven for six months. He calls me a month before when he's due back and says, "We're it's an overshoot. How long can you stay?" I stayed there a year, like eleven months, ten months. He comes back. I ended up in the valley in Dave Couillet's building, who I knew, of course, from. Growing up in Detroit, right. and we started at the Comedy Castle together, and he was a big deal. Sure. And he was so cool to me. And uh, so then I was out in the valley, and it wasn't the same as living in Laurel Canyon. That's no, I would sure. guess not. Yeah, it was a bit of a step down. So we I had don't... porn stars in the building, and the pool was like something you'd see on, uh, what was the show, Beverly Hills uh, 90210. You know, the courtyard apartments with the pool in the center. See, I never got any of that. Oh, I yeah, struggled yeah. every day of my life in Los Angeles. Yeah. I lived in Canoga Park. I got pretty low at one point. Did you? Yeah, it was How pretty. Low? It was low before that. Were 84, you- 85. I would, uh, but see, I could always go on the road. I would, and I would drive at that point. I wasn't flying, I wasn't headlining. So I would drive back for a week at Nashville, Zanies, and then I would do. Two weeks at Zany Chicago, out in Mount Prospect in the downtown room. Then I'd go home to Detroit and do a week at the Comedy Castle. Then I'd go to Grand Rapids and do a week. Then I would go down to Tampa and do two weeks, and then I'd go back to L.A. with, you know, six grand in my pocket. And then I'd pay rent ahead of time. Do you ever do, remember doing that? So just so you'd always have a place well, to go. I, I was I'd rather eat on peanut butter and Wonder Bread, but have a place at night. I was fortunate that I got the just share the rent on a house in, in Canoga Park. But yeah, you yeah, went on the road. I would go on the road occasionally, but I guarantee you, you weren't you weren't working cases in L.A. because I still had my PI license. I actually started taking cases. It, I actually, you know, there was, was it a dark and stormy night? <laughs> <laughs> okay, while you were off at, the, at some chuckle fucking hut in Tampa, yeah, right, right. you know, paying the rent, right. you know, I'm 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 taking a case where the actual client was a pornographer, okay, and somebody is uh, duplicating his product, so he's looking for the guy that's. That's infringing Holy on his shit. Copyright. So you had a day gig when you were in L.A., uh, at, more from, or less. From time to time, if it helped pay the rent, yeah, yeah I did, and that was one yeah. of the day gigs. You were a detective. Yes, I was a That's kind of hot. It's, it's, that's kind of hot. Uh, it's, it's a little, that's it's, cool. I bet yeah. that helped with chicks. <laughs> You're a comic at night and a detective? That's a t- Yeah, that's a sitcom. That's a, is that a sitcom? That's a sitcom. That's, a, that's not a drama. That's a sitcom. Is that a, which is it? Yeah. Well, you know, there were some funny moments. It's a because, sitcom. Yeah, during the day, I'm going to every, every deviant sex shop. In Los Angeles. Oh, and it's dirty to, out there. Oh, isn't dirty. It? That's Filthy. where I saw my first. Um, that's that's where I saw my first uh, plug-in vagina. Yeah, talk about things that you're never wow. going to hear. Of. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you didn't need a woman out no, there. No, no, no. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, 
what what is this new? And the guy's like, you ready? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a plug-in. A plug. It was a. It was you. It was a. Which means you kind of have to have sex yes. close to an outlet. Yes, exactly. Although I'd get an extension cord. I'd, like, I'd still be up on the roof. I'd just run like three, four <laughs> extension cords. You know, at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm asking him to explain See. it to me. And I felt like, um, I felt like uh, 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 Quint in, in, in Jaws. Jaws. I'm like, uh, yeah. was, uh, dick goes in the vagina. Yeah. The vagina gets See. plugged into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now, of course, it's a Bluetooth vagina. Yeah. Which, you know, you don't have to worry about the I'm cord. Like, <laughs> you put your dick in the vagina <laughs> while it's plugged into the wall. <laughs> Farewell. And yeah, adieu. L.A. was so dirty. <laughs> you Remember Venus, that, that club on Sunset? Oh, it was so dirty. I lived at the uh, Rocket, the Beverly Hilton. Uh, you lived at the Beverly Hilton? Yeah, I lived at the Beverly Hilton. No, no, no. You know what? I did, I did time you know at, at the Tropicana. Fuck no, no, off, no, man. You no. had the life no, no, in no. L.A. I did it. Uh, I lived at the uh, the Rock. What was the Hilton? The Rock uh, by the Rainbow. There. I don't know, yeah, Jerry. Was, the I Beverly was Hilton in Canoga wasn't, Park. No, the Beverly Hilton wasn't wasn't a fancy thing. It was run down. It was right next to the the uh, the only evidence I have of the Beverly Room and all the Rock. Clubs. Not according to Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy went to the Beverly Hilton and it was fantastic. Maybe I'm thinking of the Beverly something else but it was dirty and i lived at the tropicana in santa monica where duke's cafe was i was there for about three weeks i was broke i ran out of all my money did you ever read if you if you're if you ever need to get ahead there's a book did you ever read, you know who recommended this book to me phyllis stiller the great okay phyllis stiller, another name dropper called what, greg called greg let's do the count called, here. Oh, stop pause for yeah. one second you one second you one, pee, no no, yeah. no 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 just pause for one second we've got tim allen dave couillet Phyllis Diller, and also the fact that and Tim Allen, and also the fact, connected. In fact that Tim Allen slept on his couch and stuck me with a phone bill, and stuck him with a phone bill. We're coming back to that one. All right, what do you do? You got to pee? I do. You do, you want to stop and pee? Do, do we, well, we don't have commercials. Okay, how about this then? How about I go pee? We come back and we tape. Will you do two weeks with me? <laughs> come on! <laughs> oh, we still have ground to cover. We're just going. I'm, no. not, I'm not done with All you. All right. Okay, I'm good. I'm not done with you. Good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever on Whiskey Business, we take a pee break. Okay, so maybe the pee break is taking longer than I thought. You know, we are in our 50s. Prostate problems do exist. So why don't we make this a two-parter? But when we come back on the next one, Jerry Elliott will talk about his relationship with Tim Allen. Why was he sleeping on his couch? Why Dave Couillet is the coolest? And also, more insight into things that you probably did not know about Jerry Elliott. Uh, Let me close by saying that... Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All thoughts and opinions are those of the host and his reluctant guest and are not meant to influence you unless you, of course, are easily influenced and, uh, well, easily entertained. That's the big thing. So until the next bottle, my friends, which is coming up very, very soon. Actually, it'll be the same bottle. Part two's coming. See ya.
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 